Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. you, O oh God, to let the authority of the Holy Ghost speak. Don't let just my voice be heard tonight, but God, I pray that you would speak through me and let your spirit find a resting place in our heart. Let it find the fertile ground and the fertile soil of our mind and soul. Speak to us today, God, and let us be strengthened by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. We are... Um, about to come to a close of our 3030 prayer initiative, but I trust that we're not coming to a close of our daily prayer. Amen. I pray that we have been able, with the help of the Lord, to plant some seed in our heart, help us realize the power and the importance of prayer. I don't know about you, and I don't say this to have uh, just add a little fodder to, t- to the service tonight, but I really feel a climate change. Amen, a climate change in the spirit. There's just something powerful that happens when God's people pray. Amen. Amen. Tonight, I want to take a very familiar text and uh, perhaps talk about a familiar subject, but I want to stay in theme with what we have been talking about and focusing on during the month of November, and that is prayer. I am going to take my text from the book of Mark, chapter 4, and we'll read those verses in just a moment, but I'll be reading from verse... 30 and uh, down through verse 32 and then a few other scriptures as we move along but uh, in this familiar passage of scripture we uh, need to find the truth to what the Lord is uh, speaking and um, I'm thankful that I'm thankful for people that can just put things down where I can get my hand on it <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things through, through the years but I felt like when it was all over with I was I was just beyond my reach, and I'm thankful for God's ability to kind of just bring something down where we can get our hand and our mind around it and pull it into our life. And so the Lord, we find him often in his ministry using everyday expressions and, and uh, illustrations of his day, much like our vernacular today. We, um, we share with one another, we speak in terms that one another can understand and we use illustrations that maybe someone can understand. And uh, I believe that the purpose, of course, of the Lord was to reveal just another dimension or another portion of the kingdom. And uh, he talked a lot about common things. Jesus talked about common things. He, he, he spoke about lilies in the field. He talked about sparrows when they fall. And uh, he talked about vines and branches and olives and and it was it was very common to the day he spoke of things that the common man could understand he talked about sheep he talked about trees and rocks and rivers and green pastures and 
All of those things were things that certainly we can relate to, but it was certainly things that the people of that era could relate to. And so in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus speaks about a grain of mustard seed, it was certainly something that everyone of that, of that region could understand. In his day, that was a common expression, a grain of mustard seed, to kind of denote smallness or uh, uh, just as an illustration, just no bigger than a grain of mustard seed. And, and uh, it was a common expression, but he used that to drive home a very, very powerful point. Now, the mustard seed is not, of course, the smallest seed. If you were to Google this, you would find that to be true. There are seeds that are smaller than the mustard seed. But, uh, but Jesus was not talking about all the seeds in the world. He was just talking about seeds where in his world, in that region of where they were speaking about. And uh, he compared that to the region where a farmer might have sown this particular seed into that particular soil. And so it is into this context that Jesus utters these words. And so it's a point, uh, I believe, that truly, and I know this is a challenging word, but I believe if we could really get our heart around what the Lord is, is speaking here, it could truly revolutionize our life. It really could. It could change who we are as a person. It could change how we view ourselves individually. It could change how we view ourselves as a family. It could certainly change how we view ourselves as a church. And so the story of the mustard seed is in and of itself an illustration um, that just points to the available potential that is in all of us. This past Sunday, uh, brother, Elder Brother Gibson was uh, too ill to come to church, and so I went by his home to pray for him at, uh, late Sunday afternoon. And as I was walking up to their house, if you've ever been to their house, they have just massive, massive live oak trees that are all around their home. And uh, it just seems like there were millions of acres. It just felt like you were just walking on marbles. And, um, and that, that, I may be missing that by millions, but it really did feel like you were walking on marbles. It was just um, unbelievable how many acres there were on the ground. And uh, I just began to think about that acorn and those trees that produced those acorns all started off as just, that was it. But everything that it needed to produce the shade and uh, everything was there in that acorn. And uh, I, I know that's an, uh, a very well-worn illustration, but it is none more true that everything it would ever need in its entire lifetime was in the shell of that acorn. And so if we could think about what we need is already in us. It's already there. Paul said... Um, I believe Brother Williams referred to this on Sunday. We just stir it up, the gift that is within you. It's already there. The potential is there. And so if we look at Mark chapter 4 and verse number 30, and I don't think our media uh, is working tonight, and, uh, or at least the portion that brings up the scripture, so you're going to use, need to use your Bible. Amen. And uh, so uh, the book of Mark chapter 4 and verse number 30 and he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? So this is a story about the kingdom of God. Over and over, Jesus in his earthly ministry would speak about the kingdom of God. He wasn't just speaking about his day, his moment, his time, us and here and now. But he spoke in kingdom terminology. In, in verse number 31, he said, It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. 
But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And so here again, this illustration of smallness or uh, a baseline, if we could just use that, small as a mustard seed. Everyone in the crowd understood instantly. It would be like us saying, just they just weren't big as a minute. We all understand that. Well, most everybody understands that, what, what you're talking about. And so that would be, he said, so what would we compare the kingdom of God? Because when we think of kingdom terms, wow, our mind can't comprehend kingdom terminology. So he said, what, what could we compare the kingdom of God to? And so he likens it to the smallest of seeds known in that region. The kingdom was compared to a seed that was so small that if you were to drop it, it's, it's probable that you would never find it again. It's that small and, and seemingly insignificant. But there's an important lesson to be learned in this illustration that we have to see that what the Lord was driving at was the untapped potential in that seed. And we see that potential revealed because it grows large in comparison to what it started out as. What it, what it began was virtually nothing but when it was done, birds could lodge and find shade and rest. And so it was something that would, in some respects, burgeon in growth or explode in growth. It was, it was seemingly insignificant at the beginning. It could hardly be seen by the birds of the air. But before it was over, they could find their lodging place in that particular thing. So it's a story at the bottom line. It's a story of potential, a potential of becoming great and it's all resident right there in the seed. But this potential is untapped and this potential is not experienced and this potential is all unseen until the seed is planted. And so there has to be something proactive. There has to be something proactive in the life of the seed. Someone has to plant that. It has to be cultivated. And so those of his audience understood exactly what he was saying it was immediately brought to their attention of this hidden potential or the available potential, even in the smallest and the most insignificant things. In this text, Jesus was saying that we can compare the kingdom of God, and when we say again the kingdom of God, that represents vastness in our mind, and rightly so, but he compared it to this small thing. And so by that, he is saying the kingdom of God is sown in apparent smallness. It, it seems like that perhaps even what we're doing is insignificant, but you just let that seed alone. Now, I, I would say this maybe just by way of comparison. If, if someone who knew nothing at all about Christianity and knew nothing at all about church and going to, to a worship service and knew nothing about the uh, the structure of what we're doing. If they were just knew nothing of it and they were just to come in and just analyze what we're doing. I'm not minimizing what we're doing. I want you to be sure to understand the character at the center of this story is someone who is not a Christian, understands nothing about the spiritual connotation of what we're doing, but if they just analyzed what we're doing and if, if they were to come back with their report, they could minimize this service tonight right down to dust. And they could say at the end of the day, it was a waste of your time. Why would you go and do this when you could have been doing something else? 
Amen. It seems like it is sown in apparent smallness and sometimes almost insignificant. What happened? It's like the, the child who comes home at the end of the day. If it was just an ordinary day at school, in their mind, nothing happened. But really and truly, we know that something happened because seed was sown into their life and into their heart and into their mind. Amen. Some education, something of academic value was shared with them. And just because it wasn't something gargantuan, they didn't chronicle that and categorize that as such. But we know that at the end of the day that they're getting something in their heart. And so it is with the word of God. The word of God is going forth tonight. Amen. And it's a seed that could seem insignificant. Amen. It really could seem insignificant. But it is, it is not what we're doing that you can see with your eye that really matters. But it's what God is doing. And we can underestimate the power of, of what God does in a, in a person's life or what God can do through a person. And some of you uh, were certainly here and may remember uh, several years ago, I don't, I don't really remember how long ago it's been, but I, I think maybe even more than 15 years, uh, maybe even closer to 20 years ago. But we had an evangelist that was preaching for us. At that time, of course, Sister Wanda Drake was still alive and uh, certainly a part of our church. And uh, so when the evangelists came and preached for us, my wife and I had known them and their family for many years, but we didn't know the story that he was going to share. And so when he got up to preach that day, uh, he told of how Sister Drake, when Sister Drake lived in Indiana, and uh, which was where she was originally from, she and her husband, and then they moved to Miami, and then in their retirement years, they moved here. And uh, because this is a vacation and retirement mecca of the world. <laughs> totally makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. And so while they were living in Indiana, and this evangelist family was living in Indiana, um, Sister Wanda Drake witnessed to his grandmother and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with her. Talked to her about baptism in Jesus' name and the, the, the importance of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And his grandmother repented of her sins and was baptized and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And she raised her family and influenced most, much, a huge majority of their family came into the church. And uh, in subsequent years, of course, Sister Drake and her family would move uh, to the state of Florida and then later their family would move to the state of Florida and they would be united again. Isn't that so cool? Now that evangelist was, was Brother Jason Lawson. Many of you know Brother Lawson and his family, and they are still serving the Lord today. As a matter of fact, Brother Lawson and his father are both licensed ministers in our, in our district. And uh, Brother Lawson and his family are one of our North American missions pastors. And a few years ago, planted a church in Tarpon Springs, Florida. Amen. So how, how cool is that? Amen. So who could have predicted the outcome <laughs> of just one lady that said, let me tell you a little bit about the Lord. And so that seed sown in almost insignificance, it could have been boiled down to a mere conversation. I'm not sure how official or unofficial the, the first meeting of Sister Drake and Brother Lawson's grandmother may have been, 
but I do understand how official it all ended. Amen. It was sown in insignificance. It was just a seed cast on the water. Who could have predicted the outcome of what would happen with all that? But it was small, while it was sown in smallness, it certainly came back in greatness. It was sown in obscurity, and it came back a tremendous, tremendous thing. It was so neat to me that day to hear that testimony for the first time as long as I had known Sister Drake and as long as I had known the Lawson family, I had never connected those two dots. It was sown almost uh, anybody around them unaware of what was going on, but little by little it began to take root and, and, and we are tremendously blessed by the ministry of the Lawson family and, and enriched those of you who know them just by their friendships. They are the absolute highest quality of people. Amen. So when you think about those things, and we think about the early church in the book of Acts and how that it multiplied across the face of the earth, how that even when, uh, when a lot of upset and turmoil came to the church and they were scattered, and they were scattered for their lives. They weren't just scattered because uh, they were upset. They scattered because they were running for their lives. But the Lord used that scattering to further the gospel. Amen. And you know what? The same thing is still happening today. And I'm not talking about the scattering so much as the fact that God is still using the, the word of people to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. Now, the only other place where we hear the mustard seed are, are Matthew 17 and Luke 16. And in both of these instances, the illustration applies to faith. And again, it's the same message that's given to us. It's a message of potential, great potential in the smallest of things. We have faith. As small as the grain of a mustard seed, the Bible says we can move mountains. Now let's turn our attention, if you will, to the illustration and how that could be applied to us. How can we take this passage of Scripture, take it from the page and pull it into our life? Amen. I believe that one of the teachings of the mustard seed is that there is great potential in each and every one of us. I'm, I'm speaking from, to the, from the youngest to the eldest. There's still yet untapped potential. Each of us has a seed that is resident in all of us. And so we have the potential to be all that he would have us to be. Now, we have the privilege to tap into that resource of strength by the power of God. I'm not just talking about uh, the power of positive thinking. Uh, I'm not referring to something like that, but I'm talking about our potential in the Lord. I believe that all of us have a desire to see growth in our lives and spiritually and growth, spiritual growth in our families and spiritual growth in our church. We want to see uh, certainly the church succeed in fulfilling the calling, uh, which is to reach the lost with a message of, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We certainly should want to see that together. And so sometimes we uh, can get caught up in our own limitations. I don't know about you, but I believe that, uh, that I would be safe in saying that there are often times that that we struggle with our own personal limitations and how can I possibly do this or how can I possibly do that? We feel like that we don't have much to offer and you know what, in and of ourselves we may not, but in the Lord we have a lot to offer and so God has given sufficient evidence of our potential and even God has given us natural abilities if we will allow the Lord to just uh, let that natural ability put be placed in his hand. And so if we want to reach our potential, then we have to press beyond just the status quo. We've got to press beyond mediocrity. Amen. I, I think that we have to, that's what we've been doing all month. We've been pushing. 
We really have been pushing. We're trying to give birth to something spiritually and we've had to press at times through that and so God has a plan for our life. I've never doubted that. It's a plan to give us the absolute fulfillment that he sees in all of us. Amen. It's not fulfillment that the world offers. I'm not talking about natural things but he desires to give us eternal purpose and and fulfillment and he desires that our life would certainly count for something eternal. Amen. Because we're going to live forever somewhere. Amen. I apologize if I don't mention that often enough, but we're going to live forever somewhere. There is an eternity, the insight. Amen. I'm thankful, amen, for our Father which art in heaven. Amen. I'm thankful that heaven is a promise. Heaven is uh, an, an accessible to whosoever will. And I want to make sure that my life is pointed in that direction. Amen. Of course, amen, we're not talking about something this afternoon that that we can just morph into. You're not going to just all of a sudden become spiritual. It just doesn't happen that way. Amen, we got to give the Lord something to work with. And we have to... We have to empty ourselves of self and, and, and say, Lord, here, I'm going to make time in my calendar. And if you need me, I'm, I'm going to make myself available to you. I'm going to, I'm going to yield my a talent, my abilities, my strengths, whatever they may be. I'm going to yield that. I've got to give the Lord something to work with. And now, it's, it, it doesn't happen all the time. And I'm not trying to make anybody here uncomfortable, but there are times, and, and I think I'm not the only uh, minister here in our church that has felt this at times, but it's time to speak, and the Lord really hasn't just put something there. Well, you can't just look at the musicians and say, sing another song. At some point, you're going to have to step up to this desk, and you're going to have to give God something to work with. And there have been times that the Lord has given me, has solidified something in my heart from there to there. Amen. But you got to give God something to work with. Well, anybody could get up and say, let's all stand and be dismissed. But if we're going to push through that moment and see what God is really wanting to do, then we have to give God something to work with. Amen. So let's consider some things, if we will. I believe, first off, that we, we have got to be willing to do what the Lord would have us to do. We must be willing to say, Lord, whatever your will is, whatever you would have me to do, I am willing to do what you would have me to do, whatever that may be, amen. Because if you don't have a willing heart, if I don't have a willing heart, we will not even begin this journey of faith. We've gotta be willing. Jeremiah 29 and 13, the Bible says, and you shall seek me and find me, what a promise, you shall seek for me, you shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. God is not in the business of playing hide and seek. He's not hiding behind something, hoping that we'll run past and miss him and miss his will. He longs to be found of us. I don't want to sound too juvenile here tonight, but every adult here at some point has played hide and seek with your children. And if you do hide, you obviously hide. Because you want to be found. (laughs) Amen. The Lord wants to be found. I think the Lord says some pretty phenomenal things to Jeremiah. 
when the children of Israel were in captivity. The Lord said to them, now I want to think about this for just a moment. The children of Israel were in captivity due to their own misguided ways. They were here because of their own rebellion. If we could just be very, very plain, they deserved to be where they were. Can I get a witness? <laughs> they deserved to be where they were. They didn't get there accidentally. This was not some knee-jerk reaction of God, but, but the children of Israel found themselves in, in Babylonian in captivity, and here's what the Lord said to Jeremiah, what I would think at the lowest of lows, at the absolute lowest of their lows. In Jeremiah 29 and 14, the Lord said to the children of Israel, a number of things to summarize this scripture. He said, I will be found of you. I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all nations and I will bring you again into the place which I caused you to be carried away captive. And if you know the, the story of what I'm here in the scripture, you know that this was not vain words that just the Lord cast out into the atmosphere. But in fact, the Lord did. He was found of them. He did turn away their captivity. He did gather them from all nations and he did bring them back for, to where it all started. What I'm saying is this, amen, that even in this condition, the Lord said, I will be found of you. And so sometimes we think that we have just messed up to the point, we have blown it to the degree that our potential is shot, that our chances of a future is over. But the Lord said to them in their despair, he said, I'm gonna be found of you, amen, and I'm gonna turn away your captivity. I'm gonna gather you back and I'm gonna restore, amen, Joel, what a great, what a great powerful book and words of restoration. I'm gonna give you the years a canker worm has taken away. I'm gonna give you back what you have been through. Amen. So the Lord is saying, even in the lowest point of your mess, I will be found of you. In other scriptures, in other scriptures, we're told to prepare our hearts and seek the Lord. And so as we prepare to hear the voice of God, we must be prepared to be obedient to what the Lord says. Amen. I've told a little bit of this story. I won't get into the whole thing, but I've told a little bit of this story uh, a couple of times through the years. But some years ago, I was calling another minister and I was calling for some advice. And it was kind of deal-breaking advice, deal-making, deal-breaking advice. And uh, I, I was needed a little uh, guidance. I needed a lot of guidance in a very particular situation. And uh, when I was reaching for the phone, my wife and I talked about it again and again and again. And, and we had prayed about it for several, for several days. And uh, so when I was picking up the phone to make the call, she said, now hang on just a minute. Are you prepared to do whatever he tells you to do? I mean, just kind of shattered a real spiritual moment. I'm teasing about that. But it was real truth to that. Because we've been talking about, well, this is who we could call. I think they'd be honest and forthright. And well, Now, wait a minute. Are you willing now? You're fixing to throw all this out on the line, and you're going to say, what do you think? I should? Are you willing now to do whatever this man says to do? There was a lot. It was a very sobering moment, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it because it was a very serious situation, but somebody needed to bring just a little bit of reality to this already sober situation. 
If you get a word of direction, are you willing to obey that word? And I use that illustration on purpose. Not, I'm thankful for her voice in my life and that and many other times. But when we ask to hear the voice of the Lord, we need somebody to say and say, now wait a minute. If he speaks, are you going to do what he says to do? Amen. We, do we need to all stand and pray? <laughs> I mean, for real. I mean, we're praying, oh, Lord, we want to hear your voice. And I've been teaching more so in the last few weeks about prayer, not to just be talking in prayer, but to be listening in prayer. And if the Lord speaks to us, we must understand that when I take um, this carcass into a prayer closet, I need to take with it the spirit of obedience, amen, into that prayer closet and let the Lord be willing and let the Lord rather uh, be allowed to speak into my life. And so we take the first steps toward realizing the potential that the Lord sees in us by going to him in prayer. But at that point, we've got to be willing not only to hear what the Lord says, but to be obedient to his voice. Because if we're not willing to obey what we hear, then why should the Lord even speak? Because he could just say, well, I'm not going to talk because you're not going to do it anyway. So there's no sense in me wasting my breath. And so throughout this month of focusing on prayer, I've mentioned several times about the importance of relationship, the the importance of relationship. And so if we're going to tap into the potential of the power of God, then we've got to have power in prayer. And so if we're going to if we're going to tap into the to the real potential that the Lord has in us, then we must have power in prayer. And in order to have power in prayer, we have to have an unshakable relationship with Jesus Christ. In John 15 and 7, it's a very powerful passage. Jesus says we can ask whatever we will. Amen. In other words, if we walk in harmony with his nature and we walk in harmony with his word, we are enabled to pray effective prayers. I hope I am not wearying you with this, but I'm gonna tell you that we're not just talking about prayer for the sake of praying. We're not just talking about let's come pray 30 minutes so we can just go sit down or stand or walk or ever how you pray and just talk for 30 minutes or just babble for 30 minutes, but we're talking about being able to have a relationship with God so that we have power when we pray. Amen, power when we pray. And so when the Lord says we can pray what we will He's not saying that we can just ask him for every whimsical thing that crosses our mind. This means we can pray with power and we can pray with authority because we are in relationship with him. We know what he likes. We know what he permits. We know what he doesn't like. We know his will. Amen. So we pray in accordance to that will. Everything flows from the relationship that we have with the Lord. If you love the Lord, Amen. If you really love the Lord, then all the work that you do for the Lord takes on an entirely different perspective. It is not a job. It is absolutely not a job. I know there are times that the work of God and the labor of the Lord, it, it, can, be, it can be grinding. I understand that. Amen. That, that sometimes you, you just sow the seed and sow the seed and you look back and you don't see that big of, a, of an end result because we can't see all that the Lord is doing. But when you really love the Lord, it is not a drudgery to serve him. It is not a drudgery to 
do whatever God has called you to minister, whatever capacity that may be. It's not a drudgery to do that, but it's a pleasure to do that. And so in order to become what the Lord is calling us to become, we've got to have an understanding of the promise that belongs to us. Amen. This is where a lot of people lack understanding. We got to take the time. You have to spend the energy to find out who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And the promises of the Lord tell us who we are. Simon Peter said, wherefore are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The promises of God what do they do? They make us partakers of his divine nature. I'll tell you that the longer we serve the Lord, the more like him we ought to become in our actions, in our deeds, in our thoughts, amen, in our ways, praise God. And the only way we're gonna know what the promises of God are is to get into his word because the Bible contains the promises. <laughs> it happens to you often, I'm confident. That we're reading through the Bible and we see a scripture and then we think, when did they put that there? <laughs> I know I've read this chapter. I know I've read this book. And there is a promise of the Lord. There is something there. I didn't even see that. I was reading uh, just yesterday morning in the book of Job and I read something and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I never even realized that was in the Bible. Amen, that's all right to confess that, isn't it? Amen, I, I didn't even realize that, that the terminology, I didn't even realize that it took place in that, in that regard. The Bible, you got to get in the word of the Lord because that's where the promises are contained. Solomon said, without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision of what we can become in the Lord, we will never try to even reach for that potential. Amen, or we will never even think about anything other than what we've always been and doing what we've always done. And so we end up trapped in, in, in these patterns of the past. This is how we've always done it. This is what we've always been and the devil wouldn't be no happier than for us to just keep repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again. And after a while we come, become self-defeated. I heard uh, read this illustration many years ago. I've used it in many, many different settings. I fear, feel very confident at least one of them was here. But it is still worth Dragging, dragging to the surface again of an experiment that was done with uh, a great northern pike. This pike was placed in a tank and that tank was filled with minnows uh, which would have been their favorite food. And so the pike, as the story goes, would snap up those minnows so fast that you could scarcely see it with your eye. But then they placed within this tank a, a, a clear glass cylinder into that tank and into that clear glass cylinder they put more minnows. Of course, when the pike would try to get it, he would only bump the end of his nose or his head on that cylinder, and he finally was convinced that I can't reach that. I can't get to them. And so after a while, he stopped even trying. And as time went on and the experiment went on, they lifted the glass cylinder off of the minnows, and they swam freely with the pike because in the pike's mind, he could not get to the minnow. 
Amen. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but I'm just telling you that sometimes we try and fail and try and fail and then we just put it in neutral and we swim around and everything that we can have and everything that we can be, we've already convinced ourselves that it will never be, it could never be, and we stop reaching. I'm gonna tell you that there are people in the church today that just clearly stop reaching. Why? Because we tried and failed. We tried it before and it didn't work. And, and we, just, we just try again. Amen. And so we just press again. And so what we're going to do, if the Lord wills, we're going to be right back here Sunday morning. Amen. If the Lord wills, we're going to be right back here Wednesday night. I don't ever want to get it in my mind that this is just where we are. We have reached out. We have maxed out. This is it. No, no. Amen. I'm going to say, Lord, I want you to give me a vision and give me a passion about that vision. And we need to let the Lord, you need to let let the Lord fill your heart with dreams and fill your spirit. Amen. Dream of greatness and doing great things for his kingdom and his glory. And we want to prayerfully support you in that. Why? Because we need dreamers in our midst. Amen. What did the cynical brothers of Joseph say when they saw him coming from a distance? Here comes the dreamer. <laughs> so we better do something about the dreamer. Let's dig a pit. Let's put him in the pit. Let's sell him to strangers. Let's get him out of our life because you see people that don't have a vision don't want dreamers around them because dreamers upset the apple cart and make everything uncomfortable. But I say, dear God of heaven, amen, let's have some dreamers in our midst and let's raise another generation of dreamers and let them dream on. Amen, let them dream on. Let them dream on. Amen. And I believe that God has that for all of us. I really believe that. I'm going to bring this in for a landing here tonight. I want to attempt to bring this month the focus prayer and teaching and preaching to a close with a few comments here. And, uh, and I, I want to say what I said at the beginning of this. I hope that we're not going to stop praying December the 1st. Amen. Whatever goals we have in the Lord... I believe those goals need to be born in prayer. Not just whimsical desires, but our goals should be born in prayer because we need not only to have a general vision of what God desires for us to do, but we also need for the Lord to reveal us the path to get there. Now, I've been very sincere in praying this prayer for a long, long time. I just need you to show me the path of how to get from here to here. But I can tell you, while I've been praying that a long time during this season of focused prayer, I have really, really, really been talking to God about that. This is where we are, and I see where we need to be, and I need you to show me the path to get there. Amen. You see, you used to have to figure out the route before the days of GPS. And you used to have to really depend on signs before the days of GPS. If I could be so bold to say it, you used to have to really pay attention before the days of GPS. Because Interstate 75, it doesn't care how far north you want to drive on it. If you miss the exit, it'll just let you drive several more states. 
And so you have to pay attention. You can't just throw it in neutral mentally, set the cruise, and hope for the best. Now we can ride for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in absolute silence until we're 10 miles out. And 10 miles away, that that we set long ago says, you got an exit coming up. But some of you tonight remember pulling out the map when you were going on vacation. You knew where you were and you knew where you wanted to be, but you needed to get the best route there. Amen. And in our walk with God, it is no different. You can be here and want to be there, but we got to figure out how to get there and what's the best way. And the shortest way is not always the best way. And so we seek the Lord and we need to let that be born in prayer. Amen. The psalmist David spoke about a good man's steps being ordered of the Lord. David also asked the Lord to order his steps in his word. Proverbs says that a man of a man that the Lord directeth his steps. And so this is the point where many people fail because they either set a plan of their own making, their own choosing, without really seeking the mind and the will of God, or they set no plan at all because they don't have the spiritual insight to do so. And so we just come to church and go home, and we come to church and go home, and we come to church and go home, and years turn to decades, and we have no real plan as to how we are to get from here to here. And so if we want to accomplish God's goals, then we have to find out what his plan is. We have to seek God in prayer, not only, not only for large goals. I, I'm, I am no trouble believing that, that we don't have any trouble praying over big things in our life. Big decisions, big purchases, life-altering decisions. I don't struggle to believe that many people would pray about those things. But what about day-to-day things? I'm not talking about Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke or should we supersize or not to supersize. But, but every day do we ask God in our daily walk with prayer, what would you have me to do? One of the things that I think we have been reminded during this month of focused prayer is this, that it takes diligence to stay focused in prayer and faithful to prayer day after day after day after day because we fight that thing called a clock and schedules and and things that are pressing and pulling and and things that seem urgent. And so we say, no, 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 no. I I want to be a part of this. I want to be supportive of it. I mean, we can have everything that we've talked about tonight and everything that we've been focusing on all month, but it's not going to happen without us putting our hand to the plow and we, we have to do something about it. Remember, James said that faith without works is dead and, and, and the promises of God are gained through faith and daily work and so we have to put our hand to the work of the kingdom of God if we're going to inherit the promises because God has called every one of us 
And when God called every one of us, I want you to really hear me. He knew all about your limitations and he knew all about your failures and he knew all about your little isms and schisms. He knew all about that. And despite that, he still called. He called. He called us because he sees the untapped potential. And so I believe that the Lord would have us aim for greatness. And I believe that we can have everything that we want to have in the Lord. I believe that. And I have often, often quoted Brother J.T. Pugh, but never has it been more fitting than tonight. The saddest thing that could ever happen to anyone in this building is to get to the end of our life and be compared to what we could have been. And so I want to just reach for everything that God has I'm going to ask you to stand. Our text this evening was Mark 4 and 30 concerning the mustard seed. It may start out small, but the ability to grow is there. The ability to stretch, the ability to reach, the ability to be successful, the the ability to be what God wants us to be beyond our wildest imagination, beyond the scripture says, whatever you can think or ask now the Lord knew his audience think or ask have you ever been to to, to some place like I don't know Disney or something of that nature and you ever just walk through there and wonder how can people think to do this how who could even think to do this you ever been just in a massive skyscraper and you just think who could even think we could build this who could think to do that and so the Lord knew his audience when he said beyond what you can think or ask I'm going to tell you that mankind are thinkers some stretch their minds so far out of the box and beyond the norm but he said I can exceed whatever you can think Amen, and he was speaking to us. Amen, let's pray. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you for the very wonderful privilege that you've given us. We've had several weeks here today, Lord, that you have afforded us the privilege to focus in on prayer. And God, I'm asking you today to help us as we conclude this 3030 prayer initiative uh, at the end of this month. I'm asking you, Lord, to help us as a church to be committed to carry on. And to not let this just come to an end, a conclusion, because this has not been a program or a production. But Lord, let this be a lifestyle in which your spirit moves through us. And I pray that we have learned some disciplines in our lives and we have had some weaknesses revealed in our life where your spirit would touch us and that your strength would be upon us. I'm asking you today to strengthen us now in the name of the Lord Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.